Hey, welcome everybody to the 13th Five Pin Universe podcast. Uh, we have the usuals, Adam Weber, Dexter, and Tim Wiseman. And we have special guest Jeff England, operations manager at Neb's Fun World in Oshawa, Ontario. Uh, thanks for coming on and joining us and uh, enlightening us Westerners on uh, how bowling really <laughs> works. So, I guess... Coming up this weekend, we here in Alberta, we have open qualifying in all five zones, I do believe. And uh, the club tour is holding an event at Elmira Bowl owned by Jeff and Jen Young. So pretty exciting. You guys just added um, the new house, I do believe, because it was the last few events were all held at Neb's Fun World. Is that correct? Yeah. So it started off with um, Gordon McLeod and ourself at Stellar Lanes and... Uh, Gord has since passed away. He was a great um, friend of ours and did great things for Five Pin in Southern Ontario. And uh, after that, we had all the events at Neb's. And uh, this past year, Jen and Jeff, we uh, talked about moving the event to Elmira, possibly, and seeing how it goes. So we thought we'd give it a shot this year and uh, see how it runs. Um, it's a bit smaller center from what we're used to at eight lanes, but we're going to try four shifts. Uh, we're running one Friday night, uh, one Saturday morning, one Saturday afternoon. We'll be doing like a fun team event on the Saturday night and uh, fourth shift on Sunday uh, morning. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it uh, goes well. And um, so far we have, you know, about 90 entries, I think, maybe 100. Not too sure what it's at right now. Um, if you went to the website, nevsfunworld.com, and uh, you went to the club tour site, we have a Google Docs that Jeff and I have on our phones where it updates all the entries live on the website. So we can kind of stay in touch so we can all take uh, registrations uh, at the same time. Perfect. That's awesome. Some some questions we have for you about uh, Neb's Fun World. So obviously it's a whole entertainment center. It's not just a bowling alley, as uh, we all understand that. Uh, it's 52 lanes, is that correct? Yeah. So is it 52 5-pin lanes and 52 10-pin lanes as well? Are they all convertibles? or? Uh, they're not all convertibles yet. Um, right now we have 16 of our 52 lanes are convertibles. Uh, hopefully this summer, depending on how construction goes uh hoping to add another eight to 16 lanes of convertibility right so not increasing the number just the interchangeability correct yep just trying to even out the days a bit more uh five pins awesome open to 6 p.m 10 pin can't touch five pin like it's totally different story when uh, six o'clock changes um, demand for five pins still there, um, but more, there's more temp in uh, obviously demand as the night goes on. So it's really great to run the business day to night kind of thing and not have really have a slowdown. Yeah, for sure. Um, and to our information, uh, so you guys were the main stance behind changing to 17 inch bases. Um, what was the brainchild yeah. behind that? Uh, it was my dad's idea. Um, so he was just trying to – so there's him and a couple other people when they were doing the bases. I forget which convention it was at the time. They're uh, tossing some ideas around, and he's like, well, I can make the, the pins closer together. And uh, so what he did in the uh, meantime was um, the uh, centering decks uh, are all movable at NEBS so that you can actually move them between eight, 17 and 18-inch centers. Um, the convertible lanes, the 16 lanes, aren't movable because uh, – there's 15 pins in the deck and there's not enough room to move it around. Right. But um, yeah, even at our place there for the remaining, what's that, 36 lanes, uh, the actual centering deck's still capable of set for 18 inches and 17 inches. And um, 
Yeah, I guess the math is is the trajectory, like your angle deflection is greater when it's 17 inches. That was basically the whole idea behind it. Hmm. So, I mean, if you brought it to the extreme, if the pins are basically touching each other, it's obviously going to be easier to get a strike, right? Or mm -hmm. like a centimeter apart, right? So then if you were to take that same idea and just make them 17 inches together, I mean, it should make it easier. And I, I am... Sorry, I, I am always thoroughly impressed with everything you guys do. It is amazing. The fact that you have the ability to like flip a switch and convert them from 17 to 18 is amazing. That is super cool. Do you ever use that function? No. No? You just leave, leave it at 17 at all times? Yeah, there's... To be honest, I, I wish there was more of a demand for the kind of pro slash competitive bowling, but unfortunately, I mean, these are just things that we accumulate. I, so when we started doing the 17 inch centers, I decided to start keeping statistics. And I have so many statistics that it actually, I had over 1.2 million frames of uh, statistics on everything. And it started to bog down my scoring system because there's so much information <laughs> over time. Yeah. So that I had to move it to a separate database and all the information's there probably since 2012, every game bowled at NEBS. And I pull it out. And I was t telling Tim earlier that I even mm -hmm. send out information nightly to all our league bowlers. At the end of your night, you get every frame you bowl, how many times you hit the middle, your strike percentages, unsparables, everything like that. That's incredible. Awesome. That, that's and, something and, that's and, being missed in, in this sport for a long time. Because people bring up questions. It's like, well, how many times do you think you hit the middle? And everybody just gives like a rough estimate. They really have no clue. <laughs> what? I mean, the only, the only reason I did is because I see people bowling with those stupid apps and it pisses me <laughs> off. <laughs> it's like, why are you guys just looking at your phone? This is dumb. I mean, they should just get it. Yeah. So then I just made it so it sent it to them. So when I saw people at my place doing it, I'm just like, just give me an email address and then it'll send it automatically when you're done. So that's it. That's, well, what, that's amazing. That, that brings the whole social aspect back to the game. Yeah, it that, just... It, it, it was one of my things. <laughs> it allows you to track it, be competitive, but still have that social aspect and not lose something in between. You can't sit there and keep your stats and do that at the same time. So I, I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and if you follow us on Twitter, um, it used to be every 300 was tweeted out. I kind of switched it to 290. So um, <laughs> it was broken for about eight months because I didn't switch the API over. But it's working now again. <laughs> so we follow notes from on Twitter. You'll get all our nightly high scores, kind of thing. So Jeff, have you had a chance to go through some of those stats between the 18s and the 17s, and you know, gather? I, I did an initial report when we did switch it for the first year. Um, I haven't revisited since then. It was just I just what, haven't what, come back to it. <laughs> what What were some of the uh, like the, the the big noticeable changes there that you saw? Oh my God. Like, obviously, scores typically should be higher, et cetera. But. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, this is okay. embarrassing. Like, this is... Uh, <laughs> Stumped him. If I was perfect. a little bit of prepped on this, I could have. I mean, I uh, that, that, That's not something we do here. <laughs> <laughs> this is on the fly. Um, oh, Hold on. I'm on my computer. I'm trying to see if I can call it up quickly, but... <laughs> What is your background? Like, like, obviously, you're very good at this stuff. What is what is your background? Um, My background. So, uh, I went to college for uh, multimedia design, which is a graphics design slash 
intro to programming basically would be what it would be. And um, my dad started building the convertible bowling machines and uh, I finished um, college and my dad said, we need a reservation system for work because the pen and paper isn't working anymore. So started with the reservation system. We we're happy with it. And he's like, well, do you think you can make scoring now? So I took a year and a half to develop it. So I tell you literally hundreds of ways not to make scoring. And I don't even know if the way I did it is the best way, but it works. So that's, uh, that's quite the jump. Yeah. <laughs> what a guy. So it, it was a lot of just hitting my head against the wall, really. Yeah. Uh, Man, I have a lot. I mean, I pulled up some information here, but I'm going to waste too much time just trying to read this all out loud. But yeah, way too much math right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, find find the... information and send it later. Okay. Well, was there anything glaring that you can remember? See, part of the issue was at the time when we ran the study, we switched from the old synthetics to our new synthetics at the same time. So I kind of found out that a lot of the information was kind of a wash. I, there was definite increases, but I couldn't attribute to what was to the lanes and what was to the 17-inch centers at the time. Yeah, there was no, no constant. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I had two major changes happening at once, and then I couldn't reliably decipher which one was which and what was better and what wasn't better. Well, I can tell you with the, the 17s and the, the black bases, though, that's significant. That's yes. that's a whole different story there. That's Yeah. yeah. That's that's what we found too. Is that when you combine the two of them, the scoring goes through the roof. But I feel right. like combining the two of them is the the key. Yeah, I mean, since we we switched in mid November, and I think I'm averaging two seventy five now. <laughs> and uh, before that, I was averaging about two fifty. So there was pretty significant there, just on myself there. And the what we're finding right now is that the 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 top end bowlers are just really distancing themselves from the pack before. Before, mm -hmm. some years I'd be like 245 at NEBS kind of thing, but then it'd be really close to like the, the 230, 235 averages. And um, now we're just noticing a bigger gap between the, the top end bowlers. <clears throat> but still early to tell. I mean, I'm only two months in. <laughs> I, I think it's a huge difference. I know Mitch is really excited about it. That's all Mitch talks yeah. about is the black bases and, uh, and and you guys at Nebs, right? So well, he kind of pushed me into it. I changed yeah. every base myself. It took yeah. me forever. <laughs> oh, we yeah. we could have shipped you our we we built a tool. It's amazing. I should have shipped it to you. <laughs> you should have talked to us. Yeah. Uh, sorry. My to... dad told me a couple of things as well, but uh, eh, it was it wasn't the best, but we got it done. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of pin bases to switch over. Oh, we actually only got to half the house and they ran out at Bufa, so I had to wait uh, <laughs> the rest. That's crazy. 250 pin bases. I would I would have died. No, oh, it sucked. My back hurt so much afterwards. <laughs> just hell. Oh, so were were the bases the, themselves though those new bases were those also primarily you know started at Nebs? No. Or, or where, where were those started? It was Ontario. The, the, uh, the black pieces? Yeah. See, I, we always thought that it had started out west. So mm -hmm. I'm not oh. sure. I, I think Winnipeg. I think JD Bowling started that. Yeah, that's I, think. What I, I think it's yeah. Winnipeg. That's what I so, thought. Okay. So yeah. that's more central. Yeah. And when we were taking out the bases, there was probably of the white bases, 
but four different kinds of bases that we had on our pins that we didn't even know about. Mm -hmm. And when we're putting the black bases on, there's two different types of black bases that we have on our pins right now. So there's so many different types of bases that you wouldn't even know, like just looking at, and I had no idea. I got an education on bases just by going through what we had. Yeah. Yeah. Even pins that you thought were the same, the pins aren't, some are like clearly a different material. Some some are far more translucent some are, yeah, way more opaque and it's like yeah um everything we get seems to be different because it just doesn't seem to be a constant supplier at the moment yeah i think actually it's just the evolution of like the manufacturing whatever was easier and they kind of just started going that way no one complains and they just keep doing it because every time you get something it's more rectangular and squared where it just seems it's easier in the mold to come out but that's just me guessing it obviously makes a lot of sense the the cheaper you can make it the more profit there is so if, as long as there's no big complaints or um, any big manufacturing issues, it makes a lot of sense that they keep changing it. Who manufactures the black bases? Is that like a specific company or is it just... That I don't know. Um, I'm sure it's somebody. Wow. Um, so somebody's making a good profit for base, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know who it is. <laughs> somebody would make a really good profit if you could just buy the pins with those bases on it already. Yeah, and make them the same color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they yeah. don't look like they're floating. Right? Yeah, I'd buy. I'd spend an extra bucks, uh, an extra dollar per base for their white. <laughs> How long do those bases uh, last for you guys out in Ebbs? So what I've heard is the uh, the newer type of the black base I get will last longer than the older the older version mm-hmm. I have. So yeah. I don't know. I'm hoping to get two to three years out of it, but we'll see. We got, I think we got about six years out of ours, to be honest with you. We just changed it for the first time. Um, I'll be happy about six. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was actually wasn't unreasonable. I know we're talking to Golden Mile and Kevin Clark and Rick Schaefer, and uh, they said they wore wore out within like six months or the first time or a year or something like that. But for us, it would be about six years. But we noticed it was wearing down on the on the edges. So, and they weren't standing properly, so that's why we had to uh, change them. Okay. So, just a lot of, like, tilted pins or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Got it. And so, you guys guys moved your masking units forward, too, right? Yeah. You guys moved them out to, what, like, 40 feet, somewhere around there? Uh, 20, yeah, about that. (laughs) That's, like, the best thing. That is one of the best things any bowling center can do, if... I would tell every bowling center to do that. It's brilliant. And it's something that people have never, I would have never have thought of doing that just because that's where it's always been. But so we've done it. No one notices. And um, we put storage up there. We put it in mezzanine. So now we have, we got 300 feet wide by 20 feet now to the pins, all mezzanine for storage. So now at the back of the building, we had offices and storage. We put all that up there. Then we can open up our games room and do things that actually turn out area profitable to run the business. Right? Yeah, it's, it it's, just makes so much sense. Yeah, it's completely right. unused space, right? Yeah. yeah, and it's free space, right? Yeah. I mean, you're already paying taxes on it and everything. Holy so shit. may as well take advantage of it, and that's a lot of square feet. I mean, yeah. So you guys at Sherwood 16 lanes, I mean, you're looking at a couple yeah. thousand there. Yeah. We can put in beds for TPC. <laughs> <laughs> Players laugh. We, we all joke about sleeping <laughs> on yeah, yeah. No. 
No. <laughs> you can put some tables up there, put a bar up there, uh, one-way mirror, glass mirrors. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Actually, it would be kind of cool to watch that from the viewing side of things. Yeah. From, from that, for that angle? Seeing all these bowlers swearing at the pins. <laughs> yeah. It'd yeah. be fun. Yeah. No, I'd definitely consider doing it if you guys have uh, time and space. <laughs> Yeah, if we if we weren't having to uh, potentially make some changes with like uh, scoring system in the next little while, yeah, or then, new uh, or new lanes, lane or beds. New lanes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pretty much everyone with Pearl Score has to start to do that now. Scoring has a life a lifespan of about ten years, in my opinion, of what it really is. Um, so my scoring right now, I'm on my version two. I just launched this summer and redone my entire scoring system this year. Amazing. So. So you got pro score. You guys are definitely on my borrowed time, hundred yeah. percent. But uh, yeah, I mean we're we're at twenty years, so yeah, um, and just just not not a lot of changes. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if we want to. It's tough though. It's interesting week for us. Let's just say. Um, <laughs> do you do you sell your product? Would you ever consider selling your product? I have sold it once. Okay. I've already sold it. Uh, Ingersoll Lanes. Um, if you go look them up, ingersollanes.com, um, the, he has four of our convertible lanes with uh, Tri-Vista scoring as well. That's what I call it, by the way. And, um, yeah, it runs this whole place. He's got it for – so the system has an employee management module, uh, lane control, reservation systems. Uh, I think I said point of sale. Uh, menu boards, employee training. I forget everything. It's um, – 12 years of work so there's a lot in there wow that's awesome it's incredible hmm. can you send us a quote <laughs> <laughs> the problem is is that it's also built into the bowling machine as well so you know all the electronics in the back all those nasty stuff you have on the back there yeah. rip all that out and i program with something called a plc which is a programmatic logic control and um, I did it with my dad. So he does the bowling machine part, and we do the PLC together. And that does all the relays and everything like that. And all it is is one Ethernet cable that plugs the bowling machine into the network. And uh, that's it. No wire from behind the machines to the front of the computer. I just address the both, and you're done. You're making a good <laughs> sales pitch on a 5 yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about making life easier and at the front the uh, pedestals there's it's two ipads one for each lane and um all you do is power them and all and that works off wi-fi and then the computer is a wired connection reason we can get away with wi-fi at that is because it's just a glorified keyboard essentially so there's no constant connection required for uh, networking so you just type in your name for instance it does it all locally and when it's done it just sends a data packet to the computer up top to add the name Simply incredible. Yeah, very, very cool. Very cool. If you say it fast enough, it's uh, it's not that hard. Well, it's just not. It, it's just just not something you see very often, right? So no. you start hearing all the, all these, you know, fun fun ideas that, that you can kind of see. I, I know uh, Brett Hendrickson was posting something in Winnipeg there uh, with a couple of those features that other people haven't seen yet, and uh, people are just you know blown away by it. Can't wait to see what the next phase is. Yeah. Have you the, uh, have you convinced uh, Jeff Young using 1992 Dynascore to upgrade or 
All right, when I see him this weekend, we'll talk. He was uh, he was working on something with uh, somebody there, so yeah. I'm not sure how far it's gotten with it. Um, right. Heads off to them. I know how much work it is. I know how stressful it is. It's it sucks. Yeah. I remember when we launched ours, the um, I didn't encounter like how the exponential growth of all the lanes going to 52 lanes going at once of like four people in a lane of like what that does to a system with a ball thrown like every three seconds and all that data input. It was just, it brought the system to its knees and it was crashing like three times a day and it was brutal. And then all the customers were pissed off for about like three to four weeks. It was, it was probably one of the worst months of my work life ever. Is that uh, just CA1 machines or is that Schmidt machines or does it have to be? We do Schmidt machines, um, okay. but we did everything. So the thing is, is what these PLCs at uh, Mike's and Ingersoll was the uh, actual Liddell machines. And what I did was I rigged them up there so that each bowling pin, when you knock it down, was an input into the PLC. And I wrote a custom code to translate that to my scoring and then send it back. Right. So you can pretty much... Any bowling machine can be compatible with anything, really, as long as you have a great interface. It's just a matter of working it. I like it. I like it. I, I, uh... Sounds so easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's ridiculous, Jeff. Holy a, amazing from a multimedia background. Like, you just must have been, like, growing up on computers your whole life. Like, this is, it's amazing. To be able to write that, understand all of this, and do it is incredible. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it's just one little job at a time. I mean, if you look at the big thing, I, I, my dad brought me to uh, one of the bowl expos in the States, and I walked around, and I went and looked at all the, like, Brunswick's, um, Switch, all the different scoring systems, and I I almost had a meltdown. Like, I'm so far behind, I don't think I'm ever even going to get close to any of these guys. Yeah. I mean, I, even, I have it set up now because... I'm going to get maybe a little bit too techy, but there's something called like a REST API kind of thing where you can send URL requests. And I, I've rigged up my Apple Watch right now, so I'm walking up and down the building, and I can select lane 25 and turn it off so that the front counter can sell the lane quickly so that we lower our downtime down so that they can keep selling the lanes so they know what's happening if people walk away or whatever. The, the one thing I have to say, and I, I truly admire, is that your family has always been one that has not been afraid to try, you know? Oh, yeah. oh, we fail so much. I'm telling you all the successes. I couldn't even tell you all the failures. <laughs> no, but, but, but that's what it's about, though, right? So I love the fact that you went out and did this. Um, your your parents were supportive and, like, took you to these things. Um, it's it's amazing because it's, yeah, that, that's the only way you learn. And it's the only yeah. way that things progress, right? So good for you guys. It's amazing. Oh, thanks. What? what? What I'm what I'm impressed about is I, I hear that you guys don't get any uh, ball jams or tangles. Yeah, very minimum. There's um, you rigged it. Well, one we set up a um, an automated tangle message. So when the um, so when the bowling machine we have the Schmidt machine. So when it is trying to cycle and it's not getting through the cycle and it hits the uh, the pins up a couple times, say like three times, it'll we'll know that that means a tangle. So we have a um, a voice recording thing where it'll say lane number 25 is tangled and uh, I call it nagware so I just nag the shit out of everyone until they fix it so <laughs> half, the time, half the time the bowlers don't even know it's broken because they'll notify the employees before they really notice that it's broken so yeah. it, it's one part machines operating well second part 
that it um, the employees know before it's broken, well, before I, the customer does. You do have 52 lanes, so that's that's something that needs yeah. to be addressed. Well, we we operate <laughs> on a on a Saturday with no workers behind the machines for that, and we can probably operate most tournaments without people behind the machines. Take a note, Sherwood Bull, huh? Huh? Uh, don't have to. He's gonna install it. <laughs> it's it's support. Support uh, what kills me. You can ask Mike and Ingersoll. I'm slow at fixing his stuff. It's uh, it's. Uh, I just can't keep up running nebs and then having scoring customers. It's I would need more people, and I just there's not enough money in it really to do it. To be honest. Right. What what sort of support would you need for it? Like, like what, what kind of troubles, troubleshooting would there be? I, I mean, I I'm decent with computers. Not like I have you, no, but I'm, I'm decent. I have no manuals. I have no nothing. <laughs> there would be no training. <laughs> there would be nothing. <laughs> yeah, but but that's that's how we've all operated. Everything I've ever learned on the machines has just been basically on my own. I don't think anybody in the bowling industry has a manual. So I'm not worried about that. Yeah, that's true. I'll just... I, I am. You? <laughs> still be. I feel like it's still be like, Jeff, the shit isn't working again. <laughs> I'll be like, I know. Take it out. <laughs> there goes your sales pitch. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't trade what I have now, though. Seriously, though, it, it is good. Yeah. Remember, you only have to sell it once. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you're stuck with ProScore. <laughs> yeah. <really. laughs> Well, we actually had a joystick score at NEBS. My dad, I don't know, have you guys seen joystick scoring before? I've seen uh, videos of it. I've never actually seen it in person, though. Okay, so if you got a spare, that was actually our old NEBS logo. The um, Warner Schwering and my dad actually were building it, building it from scratch at NEBS, too. So this isn't, my scoring actually isn't the first go-around with NEBS doing custom software for uh, bowling uh, scoring. So oh, okay. just a little bit of information there. Yeah. Hmm. Cause uh, so does your system, um, like Dynascore, can you set a, any pin up you want, or yep, any oh, score, yeah. any score correction you make, uh, it sets up the appropriate pins, and uh, when you hit the reset button on the iPad there, it'll set up the proper formation of what you're doing. Yeah. And Perfect. also during practice mode, there's a practice formation as well, so you can set up any formation you want during practice. Yeah. So exactly what Dynascore was. Yeah. Oh, I, I took notes of everything that Dinosaur did well, and I made sure I did it. I had to make sure I beat everyone's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> well, dude, do we actually want to talk a little bit about the club tour? Or do we. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you guys uh, ask away. I mean, pretty much an open book, so whatever you guys for want to sure. talk about. So, then, Michael. Then, yeah, so how, how did you guys get started? Like, what was. When did you guys you guys started just a few years before the WCBT, right? So, how did that come into uh, so. effect? I was bowling masters and then made two nationals and enjoy bowling masters a lot. And I just kind of wanted to win more money than what we're running at the tournaments. Nothing against the masters. I understand the how they have to do everything to set aside for national assessment and everything like that. So I was like, well be nice to have a four thousand dollar first prize i mean that'd make me happy if i won that so that was the whole idea behind it and uh then we set up a formula where we could run a sustainable tournament without sponsors so uh, i shouldn't really 
advertise without proper numbers, but something along the lines of zero to 60 entries, no lineage is paid to the host center, um, 61 to 80 entries. There's like a dollar paid per entry. And then, so it's a graduated system like that where the more bowlers and more successful the tournament gets, the more successful the bowlers and the, the bowling center is. So it's a kind of a win-win situation and a lose-lose situation. And uh, that was kind of this, my whole sales pitch. And this whole thing was grow it together or we don't get it at all. So Yeah. Is there, are you guys looking to expand the tour beyond the two events or was that kind of your, I guess your projected model to have just two tournaments a year? Well, in a perfect world, I would something along the lines of, I, I like having the October one at Nebs. It just works well for us. And uh, maybe have like a year end one, one day at Nebs kind of thing. And then one to two more in the season. So in a perfect world, I'd say four events altogether. But I'm also good with running just two. Um, I don't know. If someone wants to step up and help? Totally. Um, I don't really want to go to each bowling center and run it physically, yeah. right? Um, so it's one of those give and takes kind of things. And um, for sure, if people want to help, I'm definitely not going to say no to help. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, you, you mentioned this weekend is the club tour at Elmira. And you have yep. four four shifts. Uh, what's the playoff format after the four shifts? So the playoff format is a double, uh, not double, a two game single elimination. Okay. So that's Top kind of 32 or? It is dependent on how many entries you get. So okay. generally, a club tour event has anywhere from between twenty four to thirty two um, people enter the step ladder. So, again, it all depends. Uh, we have a roughly one in four kind of payout kind of mantra kind of thing. So, and uh, rebuys count as a two-for-one entry. So, we do 160 for the event, 80 for a rebuy, and uh, two rebuys is 160 bucks. So, you have to get two rebuys equal full entry. So, when we work all that out, and uh, then we do our bracket based upon how many people we have. Hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing too hard. I mean, we're pretty straightforward with all it. Yeah, and, so it's uh, just a single elimination then. You, there's no double life or anything like that. No, no. It's um so when I ran it at Nebs, when we ran it at Nebs, the uh, that the time constraints were just a little bit too much. We, we won't be done in time for leagues. So we needed something where it was more than just a single game and then a, a two games kind of made it work. I mean, if you're playing for that much money, you need a little bit more than just one game. Yeah. So it kind of was like that middle ground that we could hit. And I think the same thing's going with Jeff because he's running the event there. At the, you know what I mean? It's just, your day is just not enough time, unfortunately. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And then uh, I I wrote the entire, so I do this. So I got great helpers. Uh, the Barkers always help every year. We have uh, the Johnsons uh, help a lot. Uh, my wife does, my mom, my dad, my sister. Um, I got lots of help. But I wrote all the software to run the entire tournament. So it's almost com at, at Nebs there. It's completely automated. Once you input the doubles, the two twenty-five and over pot, singles, and just all that, we got a. Um, I put a Mac Mini up to a TV screen, and all the standings are live, ball by ball. And at the end of the game, you just hit the reports to see who won the singles, who are the doubles, and who's up in the two twenty-five pot. I I can bowl the tournament, and then it just runs itself. Right. It in, you're not going to be able to do that up at Elmira, right, with the Dynascore system? Right. So the 
Jeff and I have been talking about this. So he's running with his system right now. And uh, we're going to see how it goes. Um, we're going to try and do this this way. Um, and uh, if it doesn't work out, if it's a little bit too hard, we'll talk about going back to my system next year. And because uh, my system will also allow for a manual input of scores as well. So you can you can literally. So the idea was initially Jeff has some things he wants to do with doubles where you can do a double for the entire tournament as opposed to just to the shift. And um, I didn't have any of that programmed in there. I was like, well, if you're going to do that, you have to do double data entry anyway. So there's no point using my system if you have to do that. So the idea was to have a server double as a display board. So the I would have a Mac Mini that's a database server that goes behind a TV set so that I could display the live standings on there and then have an iPad for data entry that she could walk around the place and just go to lane by lane, enter in the scores, and then you're done. Right. So that's that's the idea behind uh, running a semi-automated tournament. So mm-hmm. I'll get a shot well, at it in one time. Well, what's really cool at your place, too, is you can walk into your lounge and you see that big uh, projection screen of everything going on. You're still yeah. live standing, yeah. And we we uh, we knocked down the wall there, so we have two um, it's about twenty five foot wide garage doors that roll up, so you can watch the entire bowling from the lounge. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. so the thing is, we haven't even talked about his amusement park yet either. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. Uh, at the Regina Classic, they used to have the Cubica system would update on that side screen. It would have the rolling totals. So you can mm-hmm. see how everybody was playing, but I'm not sure with Cubica if that um, got turned off or what happened there, but they don't have that anymore either, right? You have to wait for the print printed schedule or uh, the printed It's a lot of stress on the server like if it's not done right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, kind of nice to hear that at least there's some tournaments and like your guys' stuff that's, that's doing a lot of that stuff. And hopefully we can get that out on the, our tour here in the next yeah, I mean, I would, I would start with you guys, um, the Google Docs way. Check out what I'm doing for the registrations on there. That's just the tip of the iceberg. There, if you're just updating a spreadsheet, uh, and you can have all that spreadsheet live as soon as you literally commit what the your entry that you're doing, and everything would be live posted. Just make sure you do a disclaimer that this isn't official or whatever yeah. it is, so that you make a mistake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what, what would you consider your guys' biggest accomplishment with NEBS? What is your favorite thing that you guys have done? I know. I think, everyone has, I think everyone has a favorite thing that we've done. Um, the bar right now is actually really cool. Uh, we just spent this summer redoing our bar, and it is amazing. My dad did a great job on it. It's uh Everything from the details on it's nuts. We've got a company from out west called Imagination Corporation out in uh, based in uh, Chilliwack, BC, and they did these amazing like barrels on the wall and around our posts. We put all lam- uh, laminate hardwood. The um, there's a 181 inch screen TV with it's a matrix of 16 in, uh, 16 46 inch TVs. There's booth seating in the lounge there now. The whole ceiling's been redone and ripped out. There's murals on the wall like crazy there's the pool table section is amazing the bar the the beer selection now we got 16 things on tap it's it just raised our image a lot it's really well done but awesome. on the bowling's the bowling's coming along right now i don't know if you guys have seen this past week we just redid all the uh, the, the lighting in the playing area 
and right now we're working on um, doing the ceiling over the lanes. Um, that's kind of a mess right now. So we're gutting all that out. And uh, mid-season, we're actually manufacturing brand new ceilings, um, huge things. I have to send a picture afterwards uh, to do it justice, but it's, uh, it's all being built in-house. We have a CNC machine where we make everything custom in-house. Is it is it a fairly big unit? Like it cuts, uh, obviously, aluminum, wood? Uh, mostly, yeah. It'll be all the soft stuff like aluminum and some wood. Um, we don't really cut aluminum on it, mostly just wood. Okay. And um, pretty much yeah, a sheet of plywood is what you're going to cut on that. So yeah. that's my dad. He's uh, the brainchild behind the CNC machine. But the greatest accomplishment is having family work together and not fight. Uh, <laughs> oh. st still working on that one. <laughs> you weren't there this morning, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who's listening to this podcast, so I got to make sure I throw yeah. the politically correct answer. <laughs> well, yeah, you are the boss, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, everyone says you're the owner. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Oh, jokes on you. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this is something we do every podcast. Jeff is. Uh. We do have a few questions for our special guests. So who's your bowling mentor? Uh. Probably my uh, uncle Santo and my dad. So those two right there. All right. And uh, this may be a little skewed, but what's your favorite tournament? Well, I'd have to say club tour. <laughs> uh, outside of that? Yeah. It used to be the Open Provincials, but I don't know. It's Everyone loved show and I hated it. And yeah, I found it almost embarrassing to five pin that I was there the last two years. And yes, this is one of my rant subjects. And yes. um, it was literally, I was bowling on the lane and a ceiling tile fell on the lane I was bowling on and they had six buckets collecting the water oh, mm -hmm. no. and we still bowled there again people are going to yell at me that I said this I don't care whatever <laughs> it was nuts it was nuts I couldn't imagine it it was brutal we played we played masters there and uh, I all I saw was Mitch was showing me around the place where all the duct tape was we lost a bowling ball in the lane there was a really? hole in the gutter and it went under the lane Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> I'm sure Mitch has way more stories. There, he bowled league. You saw it every week, so there was yeah. it was nuts. So, but open at Sherwood five years ago would be five years ago time would have been my favorite. It just the last few years, it just went downhill so quickly. So, yeah, just a little touchy at the end there that just bothered me a bit. But yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, it's more like. I guess it gets me going just because I did like it that much. Do you know what I mean? And then to see it at that at the end there is what kind of bothered me the most. And it was just kind of like no one was caring about it. And it was yeah, whatever. Because me and Adam yeah. played there back in 2008 for Masters. And it was awesome to see the, great. the 48 lane splits. and Yeah, it was, it was a great setup. The way the, you had lots of room in the playing area, the concourse in the back. I mean, the way you could talk and socialize was great. Yeah, yeah sad to see that uh, that one closed down obviously but um what's Sorry. your toughest match toughest match um i think two years ago was a played eric villeneuve at a club tour it was last year or the year before we had a good match there i think i shot a 390 at him 
I, I won this one, so was, that's why I like it. So. <laughs> and uh, so it was double elimination. I think I shoot like a 390 and a 300, and you wouldn't go away. I think you shot like a 340 and, and other big three as well, so it was a really tight match. This is back when Neb sucked too, so that was I'm saying a lot too. <laughs> uh, and uh, so what's your arsenal? What, do you, what bowling balls are you throwing and what shoes are you using? So... I throw the Aramis blue, just biggest diameter, heaviest size, and shoes are SSTs. I don't know what number. Never change a slider. Just throw them on and a bowl. Right. Never change my no. balls. Don't do anything. The Tim Wiseman. Yeah. <laughs> my, mad at my own heart here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if and if I'm bowling bad, like really bad, I might go switch to a soft roll once in a while, and that's about it. Right. But you don't change uh, weight or diameter at all? Well, just because the soft roll doesn't come in the biggest size, though, so I guess I technically do. It's, well, they... it's always slightly smaller. Oh, because they do now. I don't know if they do now. Okay, yeah. then they've got to get a new one. Because <laughs> it was always a bit smaller, and it bothers me, and I just can't stand mm. it. So it's part yeah. of the reason why I don't use it. But if you go to the biggest one, you have to go to 312. Yeah. So you'd be 5-inch oh, 312, so it'd be super heavy. The... Uh, Biggest accomplishment last year, I bowled the uh, men's team with my dad at the French Open, so that was a that was a cool thing. That is That'd awesome. be cool. That's awesome. Local legend out there and big WC uh, BT advocate Mike Herbert. What's your favorite story about him? What know. what memorable story the, do you have about Mike? First, the first <laughs> one. <laughs> one night after league, he was. Um, so we have these. I don't know who's been there, but this has been around for a long time, this part of the NEBS, is there, um, we have cutouts in the uh, concourse where there's kind of like a little village and like a little train and all that stuff. Mike got really mad after bowling one day, and he was kicking his shoe off, and he kicked it and destroyed like one of these houses, and it just crashed to the ground and destroyed. And he's all... <laughs> but then the next day, he's like... How like you wanted to fix it but it was, it was funny when it happened though <laughs> first thing on my, this, the next favorite thing was one of the first times when i was dealing with herbert like a master's there he got so mad he grabbed his shirt and he was like on the lane he would pop 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 and there's a bunch of <laughs> pop out on the middle on the lane it was just one of those little things that i just found so funny <laughs> i uh wasn't there a, a time where he threw his bowling ball outside and and uh Barker saved it um, from not getting run over by the tractor or something like that. Could have been. I don't remember yeah. that one. There's oh, been a lot. Get an empty field there, and there's been people who've <laughs> left on sites, and uh, they've thrown their balls and shoes up there and just never came back. They just blink, quit. So we have a couple of stories like that with a few people where it's just like that was their retirement. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the bowling ball graveyard. Yeah. It's a parking lot now. We just paved it. This, uh, <laughs> which uh which car does Mike drive there? Does he, does Mike? he drive the Yeah, does he drive Mike? the car that he just beats up? Mike actually is in bowling league right now. Um he's uh he works now in Belleville, so he's commuting a lot more and things like that. So I don't think he's bowling any leagues right now. Probably for the last two years. So I see Mike once in a while, though, for open qualifying. They come in and practice. Um, we don't charge our uh, open people to come in and practice either. And uh, so, just some, so I see him once in a while when they come in. Yeah. Um, I know one 
uh, question we usually ask in, in this you know topic also is uh, you know sport improvements or, or five mm-hmm. and bowling improvements. Now, since you know you're a big driver of almost every one of those movements, uh, maybe the question is what's next. I actually have a good idea. I have a, I I'll pitch you guys an idea <laughs> that I haven't told many people. So, I feel that a lot of this isn't connected. A lot of league bowling isn't connected, and this whole thing is just scatterbrained. It's isn't proper. And the the real way to what every league bowler and league secretary does is that they enter the league weekly scores, usually in the BLS or something like that. But it would be cool if there was a BLS thing-esque online. So it's an online thing where you completely enter it in. And then you get the social things where then you could see – You first you start off with your bowling center where then you would see that Dexter or Tim or Adam or, or whoever is ranked in that bowling center. So then you would know that I am now the number one ranked bowling a net bowler at NEMS, right? Or maybe I'm the 16th. You know what I mean? And I want to get to number one. Then you break it down to the city. Then you break it down to the province. Then you break it down to the country. So then if it's all in a central repository, this is actually the a bowl Canada or a province one where then there's actually value added to member bowling centers to be members of these associations, right? Outside of just having a pro say we have a program, but now we're actually giving you tools to run these programs that actually cause repeat play and people to do these type of things. So I think there's something there and, uh, that's what I've just been kind of dreaming on on the side. I've been actually just thinking about doing that inside NEBS kind of thing and uh, going from there. Yeah, and getting like weekly reminders like this week you've gone up two positions kind of thing, right? Yeah. Stuff like that. This would be something that would be amazing to pitch to Bowl Canada because they need something. Yeah, I don't know if they have the money or resources to do it, to be honest. I. This they don't. Pro- it's probably about $250,000 is what I was guessing to start it. So it's not an easy thing to do. Um, it's a lot of time, money, and effort. But I think it's something to work. I think there's something there, though, to be honest. Yeah, I totally I, th- I think I think all the centers that are participating with Bowl Canada would be willing to participate in something like that and maybe help fund. Because uh, right now, we're, we're, I just don't feel like we're getting the value out of uh, out of – the organization as much as we really could. Um, something like this would be a huge benefit um, for sure. So I think I think people would be yeah. willing to spend the money on it if if they will get the benefit from it. Because right uh, now I, I just tried, don't know for you. I tried something before along the lines. Like I tried, I do my bowling gives back, which is the equivalent to Kids Bowl Free in the States. I tried making that a goal nationally with Bowl Canada and stuff like that. And I just didn't really gain the traction with it. So... It kind of failed. I usually fail, but <laughs> uh, let's switch topics and talk about the open. So there was a question that was submitted, um, and that was, uh, I'm, I am wondering if you could maybe talk about the type of bowler you'd like to bowl with in these kind of events. Um, do they need to be great bowlers? Um, do they, or, or do they need to be great bowlers? Does that ha- help you focus, or just bowlers? you get along with, or does it matter to you at all? Um, I think that's a great question, really. Uh, I, I think it needs to be a combination. Um, I, I've been on some teams with some like amazing teammates who have struggled. 
Um, but I didn't, I didn't even realize that they struggled because they were amazing teammates, just super supportive. I, th I think a, uh, a, a good mindset throughout the tournament is super important, but you need to have at least five guys who are running on full cylinders. Um, you start having two or three, then you're going to be running into trouble. So um, it, it, for me, it definitely needs to be a combination, but I think gelling is, uh, is the key thing for sure. Are, are you guys – was it talked about during qualifying or when we make the team? I believe he's – I believe it sounds like he's talking when we make a team, who we want to make a team oh. with. Right. Oh, okay. I, that kind of applies out to you too, Jeff. Um, do you prefer friends that you're playing with or does it really matter to you? It Does it – would you prefer to play with the legends in your area or new guys coming up, I guess? Uh, I like being people who think they're good. <laughs> but <laughs> the, um, no, I, I'd say what bothered me the most would be, I, it took me actually a while to adjust to the people who are good at trying to be your friend when you're bullying them. Do you know what I mean? It's It actually takes a while to see through what's happening because then you just get a little too comfortable, you get a little too casual, and then you're just like, what happened? I it's the eighth frame now, and I kind of took my foot off the gas a little bit, right? Yeah. So I think that when I was learning and playing a bit of competitive, I think actually that was kind of the toughest thing for me there. And Call Mitch is actually pretty good at doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, all the Hamilton guys, like Jeff Young's good at that. There's, they're, they're good at talking. So it takes you a bit to figure out what they're doing. I think yeah. Tim need Tim needs it in a match, so. I think if you just kind of, kind of, kind of shut him down a little bit, he's uh, he's a little bit easier to play against. <laughs> uh, talent's definitely required. Like you, you got to have some sort of talent on there, or, or there, there's just pure doubt. I, I think within the team, even before you get to like a provincial event, so you, you definitely need talent. But uh, I think that that positivity and um, that that gelling is so important because uh, you can you can have you know five or six you know B plus players that can go out there and beat any A team that's out there as long as they're gelling and you know you get that right lineup and they because they're motivated right so you need guys that are motivated uh, guys who aren't afraid you know to step up that uh, are, are okay talking with say the veterans or talking to the coach and um, without causing confrontation. Yeah, because uh, you, you see that so often, and you see that do you know the, all that type of infighting within teams all the time, and um, that it's usually the detriment of, the, of of that team. Hell, we we went through it. I don't know how many years in Calgary. You know, on on paper, you know, we were arguably the the best team out there. But we get to an event, and only three or four guys gelled at any given time, and then we get smoked. So it's uh, gelling's really big there's there's so much you know good talent up here in edmonton that you know you, you could have a group of 20 guys that, that make the the team of nine and you're probably going to have a fairly good mix um mm -hmm. but you still need that right combination right uh, we, we've had a couple teams recently where yeah the, even the, the gelling's been good but um you know we haven't had the lane conditions to to let us run so um yeah, no, there's so, so many different facets, but that, that positivity is awesome. So how do you how do you guys run your open out there, Jeff? You guys have like uh you guys have a ton of zones, right? Yeah, we have fourteen zones right now. Holy and it used to be a lot more. Yeah, I believe we were twenty four at one point back in the day. Holy. So 
it uh yeah it's getting a lot i mean uh yeah we're talking i mean it's going to be at maryville this year um that's where we're doing a provincial round and it's tough getting in a center because it's a 56 lane tournament essentially because they do the seniors as well at the time at the same time we have the senior open so that's kind of i mean it's great to have both events running at the same time so it, you kind of run into logistical issues because it's a 56 lane tournament there's no 56 lane bowling centers so you're always going to be running into some type of conflict so let's see what happens there but yeah so you do you guys do uh, like a double round robin or is it just a single round robin single single ladder? yeah okay. um so we only play 13 games then okay and then do you have a step ladder yeah yeah so it'd be the top four four plays three three plays two and then two and then the winner plays one you have to one has to lose twice <laughs> There's always been talk of wanting to have a step ladder in Alberta, and I'm me personally, I'm totally against it. We have five zones. It, it, it just it just makes a way much a way too much of a crapshoot for us yeah. when you have five zones. Well, one thing that does help if one has to lose twice. I mean, it, it does take some of the crapshoot out of it, but yeah, with five zones, you don't really need it though. Yeah, you guys can play a lot more games. times. Yeah, exactly. Play, yeah, so. We're only playing each other once kind of thing. You got to kind of get a bad game. So it's kind of nice to have a little bit to redeem yourself the second time, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. I could not right. imagine having 24 zones. <laughs> I couldn't either. I mean, we're, we're at 14 right now, and I couldn't imagine 24. That many people is crazy. 20, I don't even know how they did it logistically. 24 just for men's, ladies, and mixed. I mean, that's 73 teams or 72. That's crazy. Like, they had to have yes, multiple yes, houses. Yeah. There was no way they could do it at no. one. It was, no, it was Sherwood. Sure, yeah, Sherwood was, but there was. I'm not really good at my open history. I mean, I'm going to say something and someone's going to message us and be like, <laughs> Jeff's completely wrong. But uh, it, it was split. It was split amongst in like Toronto a couple of years, and um, okay. but Sherwood, Sherwood's been uh, pretty much the home for the open since the '90s, I think. Well, uh, there's a. An old older fellow that works with us actually at our center, uh, Brian Randall, and Brian uh, used to uh, play out of Sarnia, and he won the Open Championship uh, in the seventies, I actually I think, and then he lost to uh, Greensides in the final as well, uh, okay. one year. Um, but he uh, he mentioned it was all at Sherwood back in the day, and he moved out in Fort Saskatchewan in probably early nineties, like ninety two, ninety three. So he he said it was there for longest time. About ten or fifteen years, but again, yeah. I, I'm not from Ontario, so I'm just trusting his. Uh, I'm just trusting his his word. So I get why, though, right? Like it, it's a large yeah. center; it can handle it. It's in one location; you know where you're going. Yeah, and they had a good hotel set up uh, with the everything there. I mean, it was it was perfect. It's. I think it's always nice to be able to move centers, though. Because, I, I mean, the centers will notoriously, like, benefit certain styles of bowling and whatnot. So I, I think you probably start seeing, like, the same. Well, everyone gets their theories, right? Because, like, everyone, like, in the other zones, like, everyone from Hamilton gets to sleep in their own beds. They get to eat dinner. I mean, we get, because you, some nights in Hamilton there on the Thursday night, you don't get out of the bowling center until, like, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And you got to start bowling the next day at, what? nine o'clock so you got to be there for eight so you don't get any time to eat everything's closed and then you got to rush back to the hotel try to sleep 
and then wake up and do it all over again, right? So everyone's just like, all these years is like, yeah. and get a little bit of an advantage, but I don't know if you really take advantage of it or not. So it's hard to say, but you also get used to it being it that way too. Yeah. So really yeah. is it an advantage? I don't know. To be honest, our, our opens like that, we're nine to, nine to 10 every day, right? For Thursday, yeah. Friday. So it's, I understand there's nothing open ever, right? No, and it's good Friday for us. I don't know when you guys have yours, if it's Easter same, weekend or not. Same time, yeah. yeah. Let's add a stepladder decks. <laughs> we'll want the top two. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys no. do a stepladder for the singles, or uh, how does that work? Yeah. 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 This. Well, this, speaking of the like the singles format for the Open Provincials, what do, do you guys like getting it all done like in one shot, or did you like having? You know the single stepladder after the team event on the Saturday. What What are your thoughts on that? I personally Me? always liked it on mm-hmm. a Saturday, but like now we do it. We do the singles event all on the Wednesday, including the stepladder, and then they do all the teams Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's just my opinion. Oh. I just liked it that way. Me too. I I don't know. It's kind of like a, a closing off of the event and i think it was like that for many many years so when they made the change i'm not against the change either because then you can you know put your focus squarely on the team also which is you know not exactly a bad thing i'm actually okay with the new way um only because two things one i still swear i would have beat weber on the wednesday not on the saturday uh, <laughs> but but you're, you're you're playing your qualifying all weekend and, and then all of a sudden you just have one or two games that are totally different and different oil different pattern different lane conditions everything else like that on saturday but i also seen a lot of times when you're playing the old format uh if you're playing a team that might not be in contention and you need you either need to beat that team or somebody needs to uh to lose to that team in order for your chance to go to nationals, and you see them sit their players, right? So not necessarily playing the full, maybe their full capacity. Not saying they're laying down for it, but they're playing for the bowler to play the the step ladder, whether it's resting them or whatnot, right? And it changes the dynamic that way. Yeah, I think that adds a little strategy to it, though. I like that aspect of it. I think there should be more than just the. Yes, the straightforwardness of the event. You, either you didn't make singles, so you put all your effort in towards team. If you win singles, wouldn't you still put all your effort into the team? No, 100%. I, right. I, but I think like what I'm saying is if you're on the singles and you're getting rested while you're still playing on the team because you have singles coming up Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's sort of what I have a problem with, right? So you, so you hate strategy. No, I I, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think you want to face the team at the best, no matter what. When you're not playing your best bowler all the time, because you're 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 helping them out single wise, mm-hmm. which I don't begrudge, but I, I have a problem when you're. It, it, it's happened before, and you know, honestly, 2010 when we when we won, it, ha- it helped us. And then so mm-hmm. I'm on the other end here. I had Dwayne Plato and not not played because he was on the. He was resting because you know he was a little bit sore or whatnot. And if he was on that team, it would have been a different story, I think. And we wouldn't have gone nationals. Dwayne was also super injured and high as a kite. Yeah. (laughs) uh, No, but but I I I still think that would have made a difference to be honest with you. Yeah. 
Uh, I what I don't like is I really I really don't like the uh, the format for singles and nationals for the open. I don't I don't like that at all. It, mm-hmm. The open is like a super match play sort of tournament, and then all of a sudden you go to nationals and it's pinfall for thirty games, and then and then all of a sudden you're in a step ladder. I just it it just seems out of sorts with the whole format of the open. I don't know. There's no you know continuity with it, so. I've never isn't, been a fan of that. Isn't that the exact same format we do at provincials? Yes, Which is, I'm is. assuming. I'm assuming that's why we do it at provincials. But I no. don't like. Then the why do we do it? I. I it's probably because it's different in masters. That's probably. Which, which which was around first? Uh, the open, probably. Okay, so <laughs> you just argued against yourself. Well, <laughs> at least that way you can win the argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for me, I, I just love the atmosphere, the playing on the Saturday. No, you for know, sure. I, it, like they, they, you have so many more bowlers sticking around after. Yeah. Um, and plus, you, and plus you can have Wednesday. family members show up to watch somebody competing to be single champion of their province. Where you have it on the Wednesday, everybody works. The only reason we're there is because we're competing. Yeah. So you, you yeah. take that aspect away where, uh, prime example, Derek Holm made it, I think it was Lethbridge or Lloyd Minister, one of the two. Lloyd. His, his dad Lloyd. couldn't make it because I do believe he was still working. That was a stepladder. Like, to me, it takes away that, that part of it. Um, that was the reason I liked it, even though it didn't affect me because I didn't have anybody come up to watch that. But I've seen it from other people. And I get the logistics reasons, like Tim said, get it all done with, and then you play the best team going forward. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think there's a lot more to it than just the logistics aspect. No, for sure. No, I, I see both sides. Or you shorten the team event during the day, and you run the singles qualifying Wednesday night, and you do it Thursday night or Friday night, and then you get your social night where everyone can watch the singles bowl. Yeah. Uh, so we only have one for today because people haven't been uh, submitting it. But out of Elmira Bowl, uh, Karen Moore shot a 367. Uh, she's a 140 average player. So I do believe that was her high, as Jeff Young put it. So And she shot a 746 triple. Pretty cool. That's uh, awesome. Any other... Big new singles you guys heard of, or I I do have one. I'm just trying to call it up quick. The uh, we had youth challenge here at Nebs the other weekend, and we had a 360 from Ethan Fleet, bowled on lane number 29, and <laughs> Ethan Desaw bowled a 350, and the high game of the tournament was. She bowled 386. Uh, Marina Pieridis Frude. <laughs> Sorry on the pronunciation because I most likely got that wrong. <laughs> but good bowling. It was awesome. Yeah, 386. And that was all in the youth challenge, you were saying, right? Yeah, we, uh, we actually had 2300s thrown, which was uh, great um, for the event. Phenomenal. All right. I. Thank you guys for coming out again. Um, Jeff, 
thanks for joining us. I know out in Ontario, it's a, uh, it's a little late there right now, but uh, yeah, I hear my kids running around up there. Someone woke up, so I gotta go check on them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. Thanks, yeah, thanks, thanks guys. guys. Really Have appreciate it, Jeff.